you know, I think it's really an issue that we need to take note of because even uh, if, you, if you watch commercials that's been pushed out by the Ministry of Culture and Youth and Society and by the government, it, they're talking about this domestic abuse to, and for neighbours to speak up and do something if you, if you suspect that there's uh, such a case happening. You know, the, the biggest weapon this abuser have is the silence of those around them. So don't let it be a tool that they can use. Go and... I love the, the recent uh, the video I saw where the, the granny didn't just go and confront them and, and shout at them and call the police immediately. She baked a cake and then she brought the cake and then she just gave the cake to the father and, and gave him the look that say, I know. And the father, I think because of that, the act checked himself from future acts of abusing his child. Be creative. Ask God for wisdom. But you can do something. So do it. And don't neglect it. This morning... I do bring us into our, our sermon, and it's called Be Rock Solid. You know, this is an old school term, maybe. I don't know whether people still use it. Uh, when we used to play basketball in, back in secondary school, when somebody is really good, we say, man, that guy is rock solid. Or when somebody is really dependable, we say, hey, man, you are rock solid. I mean, we all know rocks are hard and, and solid, I mean, but it's become a term to to show somebody is trustworthy and consistent. And you know, this week, uh, my son did something that really made me really happy. Of course, there's other frustration and stress in being confined to a house uh, with my son like, all day, my wife all day, you know. It, we can't go out to expand some of the energy that he has. Uh, and I don't get to exercise in the gym as I usually do to just, you know, relieve some of my, my personal stress and tension. But, you know, this week, uh, I was just working in my, my office, my, my study, and, and he came in. And then, uh, I think I didn't, I didn't hear it last week, but this is the first week I'm hearing it. Maybe I just didn't notice. But he pointed at my Bible, this very Bible, who I put on my desk uh, beside my computer. Uh, and he points to it and he says, Bible. Bible, Bible. And I'm like, is he really saying Bible or is he saying bubbles? You know, we play bubbles at bath time. And then he pointed to my screen where there was an icon of a Bible. So I used the, the software to read the Bible and read my physical Bible and there was a cross on it. And he pointed specifically to that icon and he says, Bible. And man, I, I was happy. I, I was so happy that my son recognized the Bible. And he, to him, he just kept saying, Bible, Bible, Bible. And I'm like, God, that's what I want. You know, that's what I want. I don't want my child to base his understanding of the world and his life decision on what daddy says or what mommy says. I want him to base his decision on your word. And I, I don't think he can understand fully the scripture yet. Uh, he's, he has a passion for reading the Bible. I've been reading the Bible to him every night since he was born. Um, but now is the first step of him recognizing that it is something special. Daddy reads it every day. Daddy talks about it when he's on TV. It, that's why he's watching me now. He's like, amazed that I'm on TV. Uh, he doesn't understand that it's not the whole world. Um, but he's looking at the Bible that Daddy cherished and he's saying, wow. This is the Bible, and there's something special about it, that Daddy will read it to me every night, and Daddy reads it by himself. And I'm so, so happy about that, you know, that God is impressing upon His young little heart about God, the Heavenly Father, being real in His life. What are you basing your understanding and decisions upon? How are you making choices 
in the midst of the circuit breaker, in the midst of COVID-19? Is it based upon fear? Is it based upon facts? Is it based upon hearsay? Is it based upon emotion and feeling? Uh, I'm not saying any of them are wrong, but I'm just asking you to look at yourself, take a step back, and, and understand how you are making choices every day. You know, it's very easy to, to get caught up in, in the news. I, I, I do that, you know. I read the news, and I read the news, and i like, man, there's all these things happening out there, and, and I need to decide how to act, and then based upon the latest news, you know, I got a like, the tele- Telegram subscription, and it pops up, boop, 12 o'clock, how many numbers of infection in Singapore, boop, at 11.59 at night, about the detailed breakout, breakdown of those, those numbers, and then I, I'm like, whoa, this is what's happening, I get updates, email from MCCY, MOM, MIT, about how we can function in the church, all these information, facts, are affecting my, my my decision-making. And I came to the realization that I've, I spent a lot more time digesting all this news and, and, and organizing all this information so I can process it and make decisions from them. But it's way, way, way lesser than the time I spent upon God's Word. Way lesser than the time I spent upon truth. I'm not saying facts are wrong, but truth points us beyond facts. Not that they're lies, but the fact yet to be revealed. How are you making your choices? How are you making decisions? I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. It's on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. It's not the full story, it's half the story. Um, but the full story... We're pretty familiar with. I grew up with this story. Some of you may not be, but I grew up with this story, and it's told in a children's story all the time. You know, it's about this story about this man who built his house. There's a song, even a children's song upon it. I would like to read it this morning. Matthew 7, verse 24, 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This story is fairly familiar to many people, very familiar to me. You know, I tell this story, I read this story, I sing about this story. And it's always, you know, when you sing, you'd be like, the foolish man is so silly. Who built his house on sand? You know, like, like, come on, man. Like, you know you need to build your house on a rock. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, that when we go to the beach, we will build our castles on the sand, sand castles. You know, take a bucket, you fill it with sand. It cannot be too dry. That's this whole illustration behind that. You, know? you need water in it, a little bit moist, but not too wet. Not too wet, just nice. You fill the bucket, you compact it. You push it really hard, and then you turn it upside down. Boom! First brick. And then you later break, and then you later break, and then the house is built up. You get a sand castle. And the wave comes. If it, when the tide rises, it goes, and those things are gone, you know. Like, it just... 
sample, and you're like, oh, it's okay, I'll rebuild it. You know, normal common sense tells us that that doesn't, houses built on sand doesn't last. Yeah, you can't build it too big, there's no foundation. There are architects with, uh, among us, construction engineers among us, they know that. You know, to build houses that are strong and stand firm, you need to pillar down those foundations. The higher you go, the deeper it has to go, and it has to be stronger, uh, as strong as you can be. And so, when the Bible talks about this story of building your house upon the rock, you'll be like, yes, of course. And then whenever I ask the, the question, who do you want to be? Like, I want to be the wise man. Is all the answers like, I want to be the wise man. Of course I want to be the wise man. Do we? You know, in this story, it was not told in just a, a single parable illustration. It was told in the whole context of Jesus talking to his disciples, teaching them uh, in the, from the beginning about the, the Beatitudes and how to act as Christians. And he comes close to the end and, and he talks about this very interesting dynamic that at the end time before, before we go back home to heaven with Jesus, there's this time where Jesus invites us to have a chat and, and people come to him and say, Jesus, I, I, I know you and, and, and I, I'm going to go home with you. I've done all these deeds and all these works in your name. And Jesus says to those people, I don't know you. I really don't know you. I said, no, Jesus, I, I, I fed the poor. I, I took care of the sick. I, I cast out demons. Jesus, I did it for you. And Jesus no, I don't know you. And it was in that context that Jesus says, build your house. as an illustration to explain the point he just made. Build your house upon the rock, which are the words of God. A lot of us are involved in a lot of work to serve people now. And I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. I'm so encouraged by you for that. Those are important. Those are good. But I have to ask you, what is motivating you to do that? You can say, well, the, the, the end justifies the, the means, right? Like, like, I don't need to explain why as long as I'm doing it, it's good, right? In philosophy, in common social cultural understanding, yes. As long as it's a good thing, it doesn't really matter. But it does if you are a Christian. It does because God says so. And it's hard to accept as people, as people who are educated, informed, sophisticated. We like to think that we know better. We know the scripture better than what it says. But I've learned to be humble in my own understanding of the scripture. Um, I've, I've, I've spent time studying it. And last week as I was doing my online class, sorry, the week before, as I was just chatting, uh, once again I was humbled by God that, that God's like, do you really know my heart? Do you really know what I'm about? I'm not a legalistic God who's going to look at your performance and your action. Those are good. But ultimately, I want to look at our relationship. God said, I want to look at your relationship with me. And that may flow through and come out with the same results, but then there is more. Why are you doing the good deeds you do? Is it because it's 
out of compassion for humanity, that is good. But God says you should do more and there is more to it. It should first come from a love and a relationship you have with me because that's the only way this is going to be sustainable. This is the only way that you can do it and you will stay strong. You can do this and not be burnt out. This is the only way you can do it and feel happy and joyful. I'm not saying that you may not feel it for a while, but for a long time, if it extends, you, when you look back at it, you will realize that it's only by depending on the rock as your foundation that you can be rock solid. Or as the house, when, when problems come, challenges come, it's going to fall. It's a reality because I've been getting a lot of emails and a help approach from, from our charity organization and they're sharing with me that all of a sudden their help just stopped. The donation just dried up. And then every time you only, they have to make an appeal and then, and, then, and then suddenly a whole influx of support will come in and then you will dry up again. The influx come in and dry up again um, because it's not sustainable when we're just doing it out of our goodwill and out of our heart. Our human heart will seek to protect ourselves naturally as priority, protect our family as priority. I'm not saying those are not important, but then we neglect the work that God asks us to do. Very often when we look at the scripture, when we look at the word righteousness, we tend to focus on ourselves and having the right relationship with God. But you know in the scripture, righteousness is actually right doing. Not a legalistic way to earn God's favor, but because you love God and you understand His character, you do justly and rightly in the way that Jesus would act. So Jesus has to be your motivating factor, your foundation, your rock, or else you're going to waver and you're going to sway and you're going to collapse. God wants to be the rock. It seems like common sense, but it is not. And this morning, I will challenge the church to relook at your relationship your decision-making, your motivation, your desire. How are you acting? Why are you acting that way? Is it based upon the Word of God or is it based upon your, your, your upbringing and your, 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 your tradition? You know, those things are good, but those things can also be bad. Like your upbringing may be wonderful, but it's not perfect. It's flawed. Like I try to be my best to my son, Lucas, but I am human and many times I catch myself doing things that's wrong, sinning against my son, and I have to apologize to my son because it was driven not by godly love, but by human emotions. And so if you are struggling with it, with living life the way that you think God desires, maybe you're basing it upon the wrong foundation. Maybe you're building your house upon the sand. And the thing is, I'm going to be honest, when you read the scripture and you look at how you're supposed to relate to people, it's going to challenge your comfort zone. It's not going to be something you're used to. It's going to be out of your ordinary. You look at it, it's like, that's impossible. That's great. When you realize some of the demands of the Bible is impossible, then you realize how much you need God to help you do it. But very often, our reaction is, God, I read the scripture, good suggestion, good advice, it's impossible. I can't do it because it's humanly not possible. That is exactly the point. It is humanly not possible. It is godly capable. You need God's help to live according to what His Word is admonishing you to do. To live in a way that bless your spouse, 
that bless your family, that bless your neighbor, that bless your relatives, your friends, your colleagues, your classmate, your acquaintance, and the stranger that you walk past down the road. The Good Samaritan didn't do it because it was easy, it was normal, it was who he is. Jesus told that story to illustrate that that is a God-sent capability. The Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, the, the rock that we have to build our house upon has already been laid. You know, like, like one of the interesting things when I used to live in Sengkang was that my ears tune out the sound of the pounding of the foundation. You know, the tung, 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 tung. Because Sengkang was building and after Sengkang kind of built, they started to build Pongo. And so consi- even till today, they're still building. But consistently, there was this pounding of pillar that I, your, your ears does these amazing things. Your brain is amazing. Right? After a while, you just not hear it anymore. And it's upon that strong foundation, then the HDB flag can go up. And Jesus is saying that the foundation for our house that we have to build has already been laid. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. When you say that as a Christian, what do you mean by that? It means you're living according to how he's explained himself. Read Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. It is difficult. It is impossible. Every time I read it, I feel rebuked. I'm like, no, God, that's not me. And, God's, and I have to tell myself, that's okay, because it's really not me. It's the Holy Spirit working in me. And every time I do it, then I'll be surprised. I will not be puffed up and proud that I'm such a good person. I realize, man, that's not me. Really, that's really not who I am. But when it happens, like, God, thank you for working through me. He goes on to say in the scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. You know, this is a, a story that, that brings back, uh, Paul was bringing them back to the Exodus when they were traveling through the wilderness. It feels a little bit like that in this circuit breaker, right? They were traveling through the wilderness, and they had no water, and, and the first time, first time, Moses struck the rock, and water came out. And what you didn't know is, uh, apparently, they might have, brought the rock along with them to provide water. And then later on, it didn't happen anymore. And in, in, out of anger, Moses struck the rock again. But the rock was providing overflowing life sustenance of water to the, the people, the Israelites. That rock was not the end of the story. That rock was illustration, a forward-pointing symbolism of Christ. That our life, in order to flourish, in order to bloom, in order to overflow with water and, and to bless those around us, has to be first filled by the rock, Jesus Christ, who fills us with His water. Like what she, He said to the Samaritan woman, then you can overflow with life-giving water. You cannot flow and give and give out of yourself. You're going to dry it up or you're just going to forget this. It's not real. It's not realistic. And you're going to stop doing it. Then the scripture goes on. Peter, his disciple, some people think he's the rock. He says, no, I'm not the rock. I'm the pebble. I'm Petras. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that you yourself, you know, he's like, we are the same. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. 
to be a holy priesthood. All of us are priests, especially in this COVID-19. I'm not the only priest in this house. All of us are priests in ASDAQ. We're all calling to this priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice. And you guess what that is in Romans 12 verse 1. tells us that spiritual sacrifice is you and me, who we are, our entire being and our entire person offered to God. That's acceptable to God, not because we're good enough once again, it's because Jesus Christ cleanses us and makes us good enough. Accept His grace into your life and you'll be good enough to become a brick that God is building up as His spiritual house upon the foundation, upon the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. We are called to be the church. All of us are brick. Let's go on the next verse. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. Which is, think about that. Zion is the mountain, rocks and stones. But God specifically chooses a stone, a cornerstone. That's how they need to build the house. The cornerstone is the first stone that has to be the strongest because it withstands the entire pressure from the whole building. Back then, it's different now. Chosen and precious and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Jesus has to be your cornerstone, your sustenance, your strength in this time. They will tie you through and bring you through until something changes where we can support one another physically again. The church right now is more than ever before is asked to reconsider and look at our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because right now you can't depend. This is not enough. This live stream once a week, devotional Tuesday, Thursday morning is not enough. This time is bringing you back into a, a one-on-one confrontation of your relationship with God. What if this stops? What if we're not allowed to live stream anymore? What if the internet just goes off? Will you be able to survive spiritually in your relationship with God without all these external factors? God is asking you, speaking to you, and personally as a pastor, I think it's a good thing. No longer can we hide behind crowds and community. Those are good. Those are what we need to support one another. And I cannot emphasize enough about how we need to continue to connect and support. But at the end of the day, your connection with God is a choice that you have to make. You need to choose to connect with God. And in that choice, you will naturally choose to connect with others because you want to be kept accountable. You want to be kept strong, supported. One brick is not a house. When many bricks come together, then we can be built out into the spiritual house of the Lord upon the cornerstone, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. 